Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. Welcome back, sports fans, to another episode of the Charity Stripe Podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network in Los Angeles. For those listening at home, on the road, in the air, or in the water, do you believe we have a great show for you guys today? A lot has gone on. Big news in the NFL, big games in the NBA, and plus some crazy things happening in baseball as always. So buckle up, check it into your waistband because here we go. Three, two, one. We're back. And now this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We're back, baby. It's the Charity Stripe. Hit your free throws, cuz. They have free. So 342 coming hot at you guys in th- so 341. And I'm joined on this one by Alex Toss, Me the Rock, Tosopolis, Nikki Snacks, Kreider. And a lot has gone down in the wide world of sports. But before we started talking about sports, we were off air and we were discussing uh, craziness in the world of Subway and sandwiches today. Apparently, the tuna, there's no tuna in the Subway sandwiches, in the Subway tuna. Um, somebody took the sandwich, sent it to a lab, did a plethora of tests on it, and no tuna was found. And I, for one, I'm not an avid Subway eater. I used to be, but after actually living with you, Toss, you, you love Jersey Mike's. And so living with you, I got on the Jersey Mike's train. I was eating meat. Now I'm not eating meat regardless. Haven't been eating much tuna from Subway, but as a stand today, I went and got tuna from Subway. And that was pretty much because I'm sick of people ruining things for everybody. You can't enjoy things anymore. And I'm pissed. Why do about you it. think why do you think they send it to the lab? I mean, that's it's pretty ridiculous that they send it to a lab. I like to think that it started with a couple of guys like ourselves and we got in an argument and one guy was like, There's not real tuna in the sandwich. And the other guy was like, No, there definitely is. I can taste the tuna. I've had tuna more than a hundred times in my life. I know what tuna tastes like. And then they sent it to the lab. I would like to think how that's how it started. I would have a smaller appreciation for it if it was some couch room chat, but like, I don't think that was the case. There was DNA tests. I guess there's, I mean, I guess tuna has DNA. That would make sense. It's a living species. Um, but I, to me, it's like, what, like all of a sudden there's like real cocaine or like in like Dunkin' Donuts coffee. And now well, like we can't drink that. I just don't appreciate that. We caught it at the tail end of things. Like now we know exactly what the facts are. And the facts are that there are n- there's no tuna in the Subway sandwiches, the Subway tuna sandwiches. What I wish had happened mm-hmm. was that Subway had 
done a meeting of the minds with betonline.ag and they had had <laughs> a prop bet on whether it did have tune in it or it didn't because that's where I go to put all my bets in betonline.ag sign up today get your get your free deposit um, when you sign up today and then you can bet on a lot of different things you can't bet on that but you can bet on the rest of the eastern conference finals and the rest of the western conference finals so that's fun that was your best one that Thanks. was good that was really <laughs> that was really good um there were bets that were made uh but yeah that was my little diatribe on fucking subway tuna um but there were bets that were made there was a bet made in our household toss on who was going to take out the trash myself or george the other two roommates are out of town i had it was straight up hawks bucks i had the hawks um and then we changed the bet. I said, I'll just take out the trash if he tells you and Will that you guys got tickets because I hate delivering people bad news. And so now I have to take out the trash. But I did bet on the Hawks to win, and they did D. Jack Hobbs lock it in for a victory. Trey Young was fantastic. One of our buddies, Nick's roommate, speaking of roommates, we were discussing with him, and he was saying that Trey Young can't do this every game, and there's no way that they'll really kind of close out the series. That was his sentiment. But I feel as if – that we've seen, at least in the other playoff games, a lot of guys have stepped up. I mean, obviously, Bogdanovich is not at full health, but Herter stepped up in game seven. Um, Collins ended up having a fantastic game. I feel like every time Collins hits a late game three, he's always chirping at the other bench. Hits a corner three, chirps the other bench, and like jogs down the court. It's awesome. And then Capella was an animal inside. I think that was a big Bucks problem. They had a lot of second-chance opportunities late in the game, and obviously they capitalized on them. Yeah, there was one possession where... I think the Hawks got three offensive rebounds and then Solomon Hill got a corner three and knocked it down. Um, those kind of possessions can't happen in the fourth quarter. I mean, this game was tight the entire way. I don't know if Trey Young can do this every single game, but as we saw in game seven against the 76ers, he doesn't have to. Um, and the longer the series goes on, hopefully the healthier Bogdanovich gets, which will of course be really, really useful in the the Hawks progressing past the Bucks, But Giannis played really, really well tonight. I was really impressed. Everything we've been we've been telling him to do, Josh, you especially, labeling him as a big man, as a center. Um, he certainly is. And when he stays within 10 feet of the hoop, he's nearly unstoppable. I mean, they, he was catching lob after lob after lob. Well, yeah, I texted Utah, and I was like, both teams' interior defense was weak. I mean, I think Solomon Hill missed the shot, but they had gotten the offensive rebound. Because I remember being like, why the hell is Solomon Hill even touching the basketball unless it's an absolute necessity with less than three minutes left in the game? Um, he actually had a great foul on Giannis at the end of the game, so Giannis couldn't kick it back out to Lopez. But once Giannis started going in the paint, him and Holiday were just running lobs. They had back-to-back-to-back plays like where Collins and Capella couldn't body him, and he just pogo-sticked yeah. on them. I mean, it was really fantastic. I think, you know, it was really interesting to see what the Hawks were doing. The Hawks basically, once Giannis like 12, 15 feet away from the hoop, they would just back off him. But like Giannis had a lot of, clearly had a lot of confidence in his passing abilities today and was really moving the rocks. He's like, all right, you can give me the space. I may not necessarily shoot, but there's going to be guys on my team that can shoot the basketball. I'm going to find them when they're open. And he really was feeding everybody and, and doing a great job facilitating as well. Yeah, it's just an example of, all of, all of your guys have to step up, especially your big players in playoff games. And Chris Middleton had 15 points. So he missed the shots that he needed to make for them to win. Drew Holiday actually had a really good offensive game, and so did Giannis. And he just didn't step up. And you can't rely on guys like Pat Connaughton, Bryn Forbes, and Brooke Lopez to to do that for you. Yeah, and by Portis. Shout out to him. Um, but yeah, Middle- well. he did play well. Middleton, uh, I think, have you been disappointed in Middleton? In this playoffs, like after that game one against the Heat, where he hit that game winner, 
since then I've kind of been like a little, like you're supposed to be an all-star. Yeah. It hasn't been an, like an all-star. If you're an all-star and you're the quote unquote number two guy on this bucks team, you have to be playing like that at this point. If in this late in the season, you can't be showing up for 15 points at home in game one in the Eastern conference finals. That's why they lost. I mean, I don't know what else Giannis and holiday could have done realistically. And they're a very thin team as we've been discussing as we've been saying throughout the playoffs. Gut check reaction. Uh, you think the Hawks keep the advantage and, and take this one, or is there a lot of a lot of game left? I I think this one will go deep, could go the distance all the way to seven. Um, again, like the Hawks won this game, but it was anyone's game the entire time. I think they had some trouble defensively. Like Giannis really had his way with them. I don't. I can't. I can't make an assessment at this point as to who's going to win the series. It's too up in the air for me. Yeah. We need to see game two. If the Hawks somehow win game two, obviously it's blood in the water. If it's right. another, if it's a close one in game two and they go one, one, two close games heading to game three in Atlanta, it's very tight. If the bucks go out and blow them out, then I think that's like, there's a bit of comeback to reality. And then we really have to see what happens in game three, Nick to you, man, Clippers down to O first two games, obviously were in Phoenix. So you do go, go home to Los Angeles first two series. They were down to O as a Clippers fan. Are you nervous? How did you feel about Paul George missing those two free throws late in the game? Well, you got to hit your free throws because they free. I mean, how long have you been saying this four years at this point? At this point? Yeah. Um, but I would say, yes, I'm nervous because they're likely getting Chris Paul back and the Clippers are likely not getting Kawhi back. So that adds another factor to it. I heard someone on the radio, I'm not going to name any names, but they were saying from the Clippers' perspective that they want the Clippers to lose game two so they can go down 2-0 and play like they did in the first two series and win the series. And I think that's so stupid. It's so ludicrous to say, I want my team to lose game two so they can play better for the next four or five games. That's ridiculous. You've got enough. You don't ever want to lose a game. You don't ever want to purposely lose a game. If, if yeah, if you can't find the motivation in the Western Conference Finals, like when else are you going to find it? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But with Paul George, I mean, playoff P, right? He's been playing out of his mind lately, and then when it comes down to closing out a game, he choked. He was so close to redemption. Like he was right there. He's like, all right, I'm back. Like Paul George can close it out, redeem himself, and then obviously he kind of shats the bed. And- was that the longest? last two minutes in an NBA regulation game we've ever had. It was too oh, much. We, we, we saw a stat. Um, I think it was on Twitter that said like the last five minutes of the, uh, the Clippers game or sorry, the last 90 seconds of the game took 33 real minutes. Oh my gosh. There were five reviews on five field goals. That's insane. That was, sorry, yeah, sorry, there's- sorry, I read that wrong. There's as many reviews as field goals, five and five. Okay. Like right. they were reviewing the Aiton play for like 10 minutes. It was ridiculous. Dunk. Like just it like get a, it over with. You know, dunk. we know how much time's on the clock. Then they go back to yeah. back to the deck and, and say, okay, hold on, wait, we gotta check it again. Like well, and the funny thing was like they got the time wrong on the clock. Like they gave the they actually gave the clippers from from just my eyeball test on the couch, like too much time. An extra point too, I think. Yeah, which is like pretty substantial when you're when you're down <laughs> under a second. Um, but Did you guys have a feeling they were going to run that play. Was I the only one that was like, I think that I was like, it's, I'm, I'm, 
I think a lot of people have already talked about this, but it was that's the play, the only play you really can run. Like you're gonna lob it to Aiden in the middle. The fact that Demarcus Cousins wasn't blocking off that pass is a testament to and it's the exact same thing that happened against the Celtics when they put Taco Fall in last year. You can't put a guy who hasn't played the entire game in to guard the inbounder. Their awareness, they're not in the game. They haven't been playing. They are unaware of the flow of the game. And it, it was apparent there. I mean, you got to get props to Jay Crowder because that pass was absolutely pinpoint. But it was a great pass. But why, why is IZ on him as well? Like, I, I know like, I know Batum is smaller, but he's more athletic. Well, you figure he's, he's going to get something player. at the rim and he's going to get his hands in there. He's got big old paws and he's a seven foot guy. I just, Booker had a great chip screen. Like I, you know, I, it was just a well-designed play and perfectly executed. And it was absolutely ridiculous. I, I, the reviewing is, it's too much. I get that it's the last two minutes of the game. You want to get every get call in, get right. Out. Get in, with get NFL, out. And then NFL, they get in, get out. Yeah. With even even baseball these days, they get the call pretty quick. I don't understand why basketball takes so long. They're just so scared because those referee reports used to come out in those games. And the refs used to get, I think they used to get fined when they got a call wrong. And like it was really stupid because then the NBA would be like, oh, announcing after the fact that they got the call wrong. But like at that point, who cares? They've already ruled on the call. It doesn't really matter. So why don't they have like a control center like Major League Baseball does or like NFL does where they have other referees doing the reviews that aren't refereeing the game? Make it go faster. Take out the whole yeah, that would make sense. factor of, of getting fans pissed off at the wrong call because those referees aren't the ones making the call. Like they, the, ha- they happen in every sport besides basketball. Like the go to the New York type situation? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it would make sense. It would help them move the flow. And it's a shame Honestly, that that's even being talked about because that game was great. That was a great yeah, game. Was, that's one of the. This is a fun series. Yeah. It's a really fun series, but now Chris Paul is probable to come back, and Kawhi's not. And I mean, that just gives the Suns more of an edge. Now, I'm curious to see if Kawhi does come back, maybe game four, five, six, seven. If those you know, make possible. it that far, does it swing to the Clippers' advantage? Well, I we mean, just we also don't know what Kawhi we're getting back. Yeah. Right? We don't know what Chris Paul we're getting back. I mean, again, his injury was not really physical. I mean, that shoulder obviously is ailing, but yeah, you know, but it's a COVID it's rest. It's a yeah. COVID scare. I think he'll be. I'm presuming he's fine. Obviously, health wise, I I think the Suns go up three zero, and I don't even think they bring Kawhi back. I think it's just over. Which is like, if you win this game, then obviously you know you have to like consider bringing him back. You don't want to bring him back obviously prematurely. And hurt him. We saw what happened when he was, you know, not handled properly with the Spurs. It totally ruined their relationship, and he was gone afterwards. Um, but I don't know. I think I don't think it's I, not, not regardless. I don't think this is the last time we're seeing Kawhi as a Clipper. I don't either. If I may say, I think he's kind of chilling. I would no, love I think, for him- I think at this point, no matter what happens in this series, they've gone deep enough where you're keeping the gang together. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think I would like ho- to see- hopefully the gang minus Ty Lue. I don't know, uh, man. I Ty Lue's think- chilling, and I am he's a getting Tyler a lot hater. of he's getting a lot of praise right now. And you think so? Yeah, he's proved me wrong this past. I would rather have Chauncey Billups. Well, I think if if Chauncey's going somewhere else, it'll be really interesting to see how good of a coach Ty Lue is by himself, right? Because I think at least the three of us really believe that Chauncey has had. An enormous impact on that roster from a oh, coaching sure. standpoint and from a player development standpoint. 
Yeah, big I mean, time. Clearly, I think. I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence. Reggie Jackson's playing his best basketball again. Yeah. yeah one I last mean, thing. Yeah. Please. I want to. One last thing I want to say, just on, from a coaching standpoint, there are so many. The high pick and roll is the most used weapon in basketball right now. I mean, both of these teams run it in the Western Conference. Both of, the, both of these teams run it in the Eastern Conference. I don't understand how a coach doesn't just say, if Drew Holiday and Giannis are in the pick and roll together, you sag and you make sure Giannis can't catch a lob. I don't care if Drew Holiday shoots 15 floaters this game and they're open. I, 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 nothing can happen. Anything can happen except the Giannis dunk. Like you have to, and the same thing with Trey Young. It's like, you just have to make him, you got to make them make a decision, right? Like the Clippers, they had the same problem with Luka and Luka was tearing them apart. Like force that superstar to give up the ball in some way, make the other guy beat you. Because when it's the superstar who's taking either, you know, those floaters in the lane and it was Luka and it was Trey Young, they're always hitting them. Like, you just got to make them make a decision. And I feel like half the time the big is so worried about making the wrong decision that they don't commit one way or the other, either step up on that, that driver and make him pass it around you or sag back and make him shoot a floater. Like just make the decision. They're caught in no man's land every single time. It's a great point because I'm looking at it and you literally, they literally look like they're caught in no man's land. I'm watching it in the Hawks. It's, it's Collins and Capella both out there at the same time. Not just two, any kind of two bigs, two extremely athletic bigs. Obviously, not Giannis athletic or Giannis size, but they should be able to put a body on Giannis. And again, going back to those alley oop dunks, time in, time out, they kind of were both there, like looking at one or the other. Like, weren't you supposed to make the move? And 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 no one kind of made a decision on what to do with Giannis, and he was able to kind of get in there freely and, and just do his thing. I mean, a guy who's won the MVP award twice. You're gonna let him catch lobs? Was he not gonna finish? Put a body, <laughs> just put a body on him. Like it's, the, easy, like, it's the easiest two points in the game. It's a dunk. I don't they just put no body on him at all. And you know what? Honestly, kind of inversely to the Suns Clippers game, like they were kind of letting them play a little bit. It wasn't as ticky tack, I felt. I felt I felt like yeah. they were like kind of, it was a little bit more physical and they were letting them play a bit. I mean, I think the Trey Young floater, I mean, that was he was just getting that at will against the Knicks. I think teams are kind of, you know, a bit more receptive to that now. Um, still as good as a defender holiday is he had a tough time and I don't think it's going to get much easier. I mean, he's really playing superb, superb basketball and he's gotten to the point in his game where if he's not scoring well enough, he's facilitating. Um, but I don't think this bucks team is going to be down out. I wish, I really wish pandemic P hit those free throws. So he was still playoff P I hope the Clippers kind of take it to him in Los Angeles in game one, at least make things interesting. I think obviously we know we've seen it. This team could compete with them. It was close. This team can get hot and, and, and outshoot anybody. Look, when they've blown the Jazz out one of those games, so it's not fully over yet. Um, lottery, though, will go lottery quickly. It seems like the top five is pretty set, and I'm a little bummed about it in the mock drafts I'm seeing. For those who don't know the results, Pistons won the lottery, followed by the Rockets, followed by the luckiest team, arguably, in sports. The Cavs, I mean, the Cavs are in the top three like every year. Is it just me? Like top three or four? I know they suck. But I feel like they always get lucky. They always get lucky, and they're always like, "Oh, the Cavs are in here again." The Raptors, which is great for that franchise, are in there, and the Magic. That's yeah, that's lucky. The Magic, who's the GM, they had the fifth and eighth pick. The GM looked like he wanted to kill himself, which is not funny, but like he looked really sad. Um, the top who's, five looks. Who's pick? Because of the Rockets got two, but if the Rockets pick had fallen to five, they would have lost it to the to Thunder. the Mad to the Thunder to yeah. the Thunder. 
That's right. Yeah, it's good. That it's it's huge for their franchise that they were able to retain it and hold on to one of the top two spots. Yeah, and I think my question to you, I sent Toss, I kicked you a mock, and we'll just only kind of, we're not going to go into the full thing, but just kind of keeping that top five, why why do you think the Rockets are going to take, presuming Cade goes number one and there's no trade, um, which I had posed to somebody, like I, I posed on our Instagram and people responded like, hey, the five and the eight by the Magic to the one for Cade because as good as I think Cade is, I think this is a pretty deep draft class, a lot of valuable guys you can get out of the five and the eight spot. And I think the Pistons building some depth out would be nice. That's just, yeah. I don't know, that's me thinking a little outside the box. Yeah. Um, but presuming K goes number one in the Pistons, why do you think the Rockets are going Mobley, not Suggs? Whereas I think Suggs, they're going Suggs, not Mobley. I think that it is such a rarity nowadays to find a big man who has all the tools and shown that he has can utilize the majority of those tools already in his college game. He doesn't need the ball. He's a great, excellent rim runner. He's a fantastic rim protector. He was arguably the best player defensively in college basketball this past year. He has the makings of, of a good big man shooter. He already can hit from mid range. And, you know, that's just extending that uh, 10 feet and consistently putting in the reps to, He's got a great stroke. So, you know, you would think that he could, he could eventually hit the ball from deep at a good clip. I just think he's such a rarity to have feet like that with his size and to pair him alongside Christian Wood, who's like a perfect, you know, floor spacing for who can also rim run. If you can hold on to John Wall, you've got your point guard there. And John Wall's not that old. And he actually looked pretty good this year. Especially from healthy, a yeah. from a playmaking standpoint, so I just think that like he's more of a cornerstone of your team. A lot of people, just from what I'm listening to and what do they know, um, are saying that Cade and Mobley are kind of in their own class, and then three through five are also like they're their tier two. I like Suggs a lot, but the, what I sent you is I think if you see Suggs at three, the the Cavs are going to pass because they already have two guards. They've got Sexton, they've got Garland, and they're going to be forced to take Jalen Green. And then the Raptors are going to end up with Jalen Suggs, which is kind of where I want him to go anyway. Go learn with Fred Van Vliet. That's a great one-two punch. He doesn't have to step in and be the guy immediately. Like he'll just he'll succeed. Yeah, I mean, I I look at it and like okay, in the modern NBA, you need a primary ball handler who can do it all, and Suggs has that potential, and that's why if I'm the Rockets are restarting in my book. I'm anticipating Wall not being there, which isn't necessarily fair because as of now he is on the roster. Yeah. But I think if I'm restarting a franchise, at least just give me that guard so I know I'm starting off on the right foot. That being said, I mean, I think Mobley, obviously we saw him play in high school. Toss, you were very underwhelmed. So was I. Um, but I think he really impressed us. I think seeing what Aiton's done and seeing what's, you know, in this playoffs. And I, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the example you look to, right? Yeah. Like you look at year three and, Aiton's put in the work. Like he wasn't there year one. He wasn't there last year. Even at some points this year, he had a tough time buying in because it was Chris Paul's team and he had to adjust, but he has adjusted. And now look how valuable he's become in this Western conference finals. He's the third best player in the series. And it definitely shows. I mean, he's dominating glass. He's dominated every series. He's, he's kind of irreplaceable. He really is living up to again, like that billing, like we were talking about last episode the number one pick. So I, I could get behind the Rockets, like again, restarting with, you know, they have wood unless they move him. They also um, love taking franchise history. They love taking big men in the, in the top part of the draft. Ralph Sampson, Akeem Lajuan, man. 
Yao Ming. Yao, Yao Ming. All their first picks have been bigs. Um, that have been in the top three. Um, yeah, the Cavs pass. I think also, let me say this. I think not enough people have watched G- a lot of the top tier scout mock draft, you know, hoopla guys have not watched enough G League. Because I think this Jalen Green kid is going to turn some heads. I don't think it's like I, I think he's being overlooked a little bit. I th- oh, I think he's ready to go. He's ready to go. The fifth, I think Kuminga Kuminga's Kuminga, player, Kuminga is blatant. Kuminga's not. Yeah, he's not ready to go. He's a which, project. Which why he's a project, we- but he's he's got scary athleticism though. If he can, if you can tap into that and you can kind of fine tune him. I mean, you look at a guy like Paul George. Like Paul George could not shoot like he like he couldn't like he can now in college. That just wasn't there. But he had the six nine build. He was a rangy defender. He had a, the makings of what would be a good stroke. And before he got hurt, I mean, like he was one of the best high flyers in the league. Yeah. So, you know, that's the prototype, but we've, we've fallen in love. The NBA has fallen in love with people like that in the past and it's bitten them in the ass. So yeah, multiple times, <laughs> honestly, like Davion Mitchell is not as sexy, but he's, he's like, going to be a good player at the minimum. I think mm-hmm. Kispert's going to be a good player at the minimum. I think guys like Kuminga and Scotty Barnes are a bit more risky and a bit more like even even our boy the you know the Longhorn Kai Jones. He's a bit of a risk. He's a bit of a risk. I he you could lock him in as the member of the Thunder. The Thunder with the second pick are going to take him. Um, there's there because they have nothing to lose. They have so many picks they could run that risk. A team that can run the risk is going to take the risk on Kai Jones and it's going to pay off. He's an uber athlete, but I think the drafts can be really exciting. I'm, Licking my chops to delve into some mocks. Carl Nassim. Speaking of Uber athletes, oh, Keon Johnson had a 48 inch max vertical at the combine, it's an NBA record. Yeah, yeah he, he's gonna be a lotto pick. 48. Sure. He's a for sure so athletic. He just needs to you just get some sort of jump shot and figure out how to be a multi level scorer, and he'll have a spot on an NBA NBA roster for sure. And yeah, possibly a starting spot. I'm trying to think, he's of- one of those project guys too. Yeah, he's a but he's got off the, the ground. He's that's crazy. That's crazy. He has that defense in him already, though. So I think like, the magic with their second pick at the eighth, like you can kind of you know the magic. He just if, I, I I don't he he feels like RJ Hampton to me. Like they already have that guy. He's uh, about more of an offensive player than he is. I think he's, I don't know. I was kind of going from the mold of like, hey, you have Isaac, you have Wendell Carter. You could really continue to build on this defensive stalwart you have in Orlando and really play some bruised basketball. And you have RJ and you have like, and you have Cole Anthony. You like have two really great off, good off, offensive guards. You use that pick on the wing and Kamingo is the project. And all of a yeah. sudden you have, you have a deep team and a versatile team. Yeah. Um, That's it, crazy though. So I actually think that he could jump over you, Josh. And you can't jump over him. Keon Johnson. I know several people he could jump over for sure. Yeah. Several. A including couple. me, my future roommate. The uh <laughs> the um Carl Nassib. Talk about Carl Nassib. Yeah, yeah, Carl Nassib, Carl Nassib. Amazing. We were pumped. Everyone was happy. This is good for him. Um I was like, it was I was a little obviously it's shocking. You know, you're not like sitting there thinking it's gonna happen. Um Everyone kind of fell in love with him on hard knocks. So. Yeah, I think it was really meaningful, and that's part of the reason is because we we got to meet this guy. Yeah, you know? and that's cool. Like I think we all like watching hard knocks, and it's it gives us a little window into like what these guys are really like. Because as we've talked about multiple times on the pod, like 
they wear helmets on the sideline, you know, like it's, we don't really get to interact with them outside of the big name guys. Like, and he had a moment too. He had that moment where he's talking about finance, like talking about like how he's going to, he's like, I met Taylor Swift. I was going to buy a Rolex, but like I didn't because like my financials are important to me. Like, and he was like, he was jarving with Greg Williams, who like, obviously is an asshole. I mean, there's a lot of good moments for him in there. I, I was a little disappointed that some of it was overshadowed by some negativity around it. People like, like the way it was phrased, like the first active openly gay player. And people were like, well, what about Michael Sam? Which is like, kind of was just a little unfortunate for me. It was just kind of taking away from the moment. I understand like why people were getting involved in that respect, but I think it was taken away from the moment. And I was also annoyed that like, I was annoyed that they weren't stepping up, but I was also annoyed that that was like also a focus of other NFL players not really getting involved. Like if you look at like who tweeted out support outside a couple of his teammates and obviously like the NFL PA or Dell coaches, none of the big guns outside, obviously like Watt really came in and said anything. I think Saquon said something. Teammate, um, teammate, Penn state teammate. Oh, Penn state teammate. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to open the door for a lot of players to come out. If that's something that's going to happen. I mean, you saw Colton Underwood of The Bachelor do it, and he was in the NFL for a minute. And, of course, there was Michael Sam. But, I mean, this is the first active player, right? It's always been an issue where guys want to feel comfortable in a locker room, and that's always been the biggest, I guess, issue within the NFL is that, you know, guys don't want to come out because they feel like it's going to ruin relationships with their teammates. But I feel like this probably does the opposite. Uh, you know, with a guy like Carl, who is who's liked by his organization and, you know, a lot of people gravitated towards him in hard knocks, like we mentioned, I think it's a good, good champion to kind of be the first person to come out and say something and hopefully opens the door for more guys to do it if they want to. Mm. Yeah, it was really, it was a really nice moment the other day. Um, so congratulations to him. Shout out to his family in the best way. Um, we yeah. were all- he really seems like a great guy. You watch that video and it's just like, he's very endearing. I, yeah. I just want to be his friend. Yeah. Yeah. He's homie. Um, and it's yeah. also obviously great for, for people that are not professional athletes as well. Yeah. It's huge. It's huge. His Jersey was the number one selling Jersey. I mean, you know, like just, from a monetary standpoint of view, over the last two days. Yeah. That's number great. One. NFL was pumped. I mean, NFL's actually done a really great job in pride. Honestly, a lot of their logos are like rainbow. I think they've done a really excellent job. I mean, we've, we've seen them want to include, female fans and like they've been, they've been one of the people at the forefront i've always felt as far as inclusion on fans like kind of going out of their way to make it more not just like dudes watching sports even though it's yeah. like one of the hardest hitting sports um ironically um speaking of other sports baseball a lot has been made and this is again like baseball just needs to stop do putting on a show every time something's good rule change or an issue and like they're obviously checking guys now mid game. Um, the, the, the opposing manager can request a check for illegal substance on the pitcher. We saw Sergio Romo of the athletics do. We saw Max Scherzer of the Washington nationals do it. They just start undressing themselves and pulling down their pants. And it's like funny and like putting on a circus, but it needs to be more concentrated. And Manfred's like, Oh yeah, it's going well. Well, it's not going well. And I think it needs to be more concentrated in the sense that have designated times or have two like be like at the top of the inning, we're going to check when the cameras aren't rolling before you get going. And if you don't have anything, then that's so be it. Like we can't fully micromanage the game any further. Yeah. I mean, do you want to speed up the game or do you want to make sure pitchers aren't having foreign substances on their, on their balls? And I mean, 
Manfred says it's going well. And I don't necessarily think it's going well because I think a lot of pitchers are annoyed and you saw the frustration in Max Scherzer and you saw the frustration in Sergio Romo. And I mean, you're seeing the frustration from Trevor Bauer today, you know, in, in the Padres Dodgers game, it's they're annoyed. I mean, this is something that is, they've never had to do it before. So I mean, these guys have been playing the game for, for 10 plus years. And this is the first time it's coming out mid season too. I mean, yes, it's obviously affecting the play. Um, you're looking at spin rates and, Trevor Bauer's spin rates are, are way down over the last couple of games compared to his last season where he was untouchable. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure he's a little flustered because he doesn't have the same juice that he used to, but you look yeah, really I mean, upset. About, you look really upset about Bauer not feeling well out there in the mound, Nick. You what was really, that? You look really heartbroken about Bauer not feeling well on the mound right now. Oh yeah, I'm I'm torn to pieces. <laughs> like, he's like relaying this information with a huge smile on his face. I mean, I, I I took pictures of his spin rates. I mean, they're <laughs> they're way down. I mean, they're not they're not like way way down, but like I think they're down like 400 RPMs. They're all to, they're all yeah. doing it. Yeah, no, they're all doing. It. I mean, we mentioned it when Garrett Cole had his press conference. He looked like he saw a ghost. He looked like he you know, got caught with something and, and he didn't know how to respond to it. I mean, the best pitchers in baseball do it. And I wouldn't be surprised if DeGrom does it. They all uh, need a competitive edge. They, they've been checking DeGrom. They've been, I, I don't know. I, he's like the one no guy. No one's gotten caught since the checking. So no yeah. one's, no one's doing it right now actively, but I'm saying like in the past, I mean, all of these guys have done it and not necessarily using the spider tack, but it could be just a form of sunscreen and sweat or, or rosin, right? Like that's, yeah. The rosin bag is behind the mound every single every single pitch. That's there for a reason. Guys mix that with sweat. Guys mix that with pine tar. Guys mix that with, with sunscreen. I mean, it's not like they're using steroids. It's not like they're actually, you know, manipulating the ball with you know like a like a razor blade or something. I mm. they're used to people used to dry out baseballs. They used to soak them. They used to soak brand new balls and they used to leave them in the sun so they dry out. So the so the, so the seams would raise, right? So you can get a better grip on it and it would break harder because it would cut, it would cut harder because the raised in seams. Yeah. You got a better grip on it. That, I forgot about that. That's a great point to bring up. Yeah. I mean, baseball, I mean, look, they're figuring it out. And again, Nick, you had brought up this point and you were hundred percent right. When you said this, we can't have changes mid season, do it before, do it after a mid season change. It's going to, bring negative just never going to bring positive energy it just doesn't yeah i mean it's bringing negativity to the game that's really i've been watching this padres dodgers game and literally all they talk about is checking the pitchers oh bauer looks flustered that he is getting checked or musgrove got checked here oh we watched scherzer get checked it's like just let's just play the game i mean let them check it in the tv timeout and let's not even talk about it if someone makes us think about it sure you can mention that but we don't have to look at every single check yeah, baseball announcers can be the best and the worst at the same time, honestly. Well, uh, ESPN's the woe when it comes to baseball announcers. I'll say that. I, you know what? I, baseball, I like, the, I like the national guys for basketball. Obviously, I love the national guys for football. I really like the local guys for baseball. The local guys for baseball, they know their team like the back of their hand, and you need to. And they're, and they're energetic, and they're excited. And they're energetic and they're excited. And I mean, the Mets guys, Darling and Hernandez, are just absolutely fantastic. They were like the local guys for like my hometown, obviously. Um, and you know, they I know Toss hates any kind of Boston announcer because of the accent. 
do you hate the Celtics? No, I just, you don't like the, the Celtics guy. The Celtics dude. Uh, he's he's like eighty, dude. He's just yeah. really old. He's just yeah. a step behind when it comes to what's going out, what's going down on the court. And Scal's actually pretty good, who's his co-host. But yeah, we don't need to talk about the Celtics local announcers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I do prefer them to the national. I always like the national guys for basketball and football. Um, cool. Uh, we'll wrap it up there. That was a fun one, quick and easy. Um, guys, this is our Thursday show radio. Oh, well, yeah. before before we finish, finish. Uh, you're wearing a jersey right now, Josh. Oh yeah, you're wearing an Islanders jersey. They won. Game six. So now it's going to seven against the Tampa Bay Lightning, seeing if the Lightning can win back to back Stanley Cups. And I, that's the Lightning. So are, even I, I highly. Forced overtime to, to yeah. force the game seven. The goal was great. It was a clean goal. I don't like the goals in hockey when there's like a muffle around. It's like tip drill. I like it when it's. And it was on the shot. island. It was on the island, which is great. Yeah. They were throwing beer cans at the end of the game. And I was like, all right, let's not do that. I mean, people in New York are people on the island are out of, out of their minds. Um, right. but it's the only New York team I root for, I'm not a fan obviously. And everyone knows that, but I'll root for them. Just, just because they literally are on the Island. Whereas the I would just say New York team suggestion for any of our listeners, even if you've never watched a game of hockey, even if you haven't watched any games in this regular season of the NHL or any of the playoff games thus far, you should you should tune in for this game because I'm soaked. I'm gonna game be sevens in hockey are one of the best sporting events to watch, hands down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hands absolutely. up, hands up, hands up. Let's hands fight down. Hands up. Let's fight. Uh, yeah, I think we did our bet online thing, and I think we're good after that. Fans out there, drag both feet in bounds swing on a full count rip that puck at that putt hit your pks because they free go check us out on the radio we're gonna be blasting it everywhere it's in our link tree uh we'll obviously throw the episode up uh we have a great special guest a really interesting special guest obviously it's one that we don't usually do but this is gonna be a super fun one for you guys on monday uh hint hint netflix um hit your free throws guys why because they're free paul george they are free we have hands up We love you. Hands up. Let's fight. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.